right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Little Man Big Conversations. I am, of course, the Little Man, Little James, aka Flashman. And today, man, do I have a guest for you. Some of you out there may know the history I have with this guy, both as a friend, an ally, and an enemy. He is a decorated professional wrestler. He has traveled all up and down this great country of ours. He joins me today. He is the first official Flashman guy, and he is the monster rip riley rip how the hell are you man i'm doing good thanks how are you i'm good man man it's a crazy time and i appreciate you coming on board here and uh giving, good. Some, giving some time to yeah be interviewed by little old me yeah always happy to be here man always happy to help help out where i can thanks so much brother hey speaking of which you were the first official flashman guy gave you the mantra of the monster but ah, yes pop, pop quiz do you remember the first time we were saw each other in the locker room or started doing work together? Uh, I feel like I was thinking about this just before, but I feel like I, it might've been at a Prowl event at yeah. Hammond. I don't know when the exact show, but I feel like we met briefly before coming across each other at AWA. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. So correct. Correct. Amundo. We, yeah, we met at a Prowl show. Uh, I remember you had some, uh, <laughs> And some baggy shorts. Yes, but, uh, the old the old white baggy shorts and <laughs> white singlet from uh, a shop I will not name. <laughs> hey man, if you go back and listen to this podcast, oh, one of the episodes is dedicated to me and my wrestling career. Hey, yeah. you having the you having the baggy shorts and the and the gear looked ten times better than I did when I started. Man, I had some yeah. oh, shopping man. clothing. We all have to start somewhere, right? Like starting <laughs> off. Like man, all you have is like not much. You're breaking out. Like man, that was the best thing I could come up with at the time, I guess. <laughs> man, better than I did. I had baggy rapper Eminem style jeans. I had oh, a gigantic yeah. red jumper and I had a shirt that had a hologram on the front. You were doing leaps and bounds ahead of me, man. My my first ever match, uh, cause I, I ordered the baggy shorts, the white yeah. ones, uh, I think before it, but they came a little late. So I ended up wearing kind of like John Cena, uh, jean shorts uh, <laughs> and like the white top. <laughs> so yeah. And like kick pads. I, I had like cheap kick pads as well um, before all my boots and my shorts came. So <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they came a lot quicker than what they did. <laughs> oh man. If you have that, if you have a photo out there of that, of that match, man, that is going to be some absolute gold to put that online. Oh, I, I'll send it to you if you're after it. <laughs> I got it floating around in the file somewhere. Man, that'd be great to see. But yes, I remember meeting you at a Prowl show. We shook hands, but some of the people may not know there that we didn't really all keep in contact too much until we, uh, until you came aboard the the training school that I was co-running with the Sweet Assassin and Scott Black Up 31 uh, Digital yeah. called QPW. QPW, yeah. Yeah, so you came through those doors. You were training for a while there. We got to break the ice a little bit. We started having a little bit of a, a little bit of small talk, a little bit of a chat. But it wasn't until Kelso Cajoni, who I believe was the booker at the time for AWA, came to training one day and came up with the concept of putting you and I together. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, vaguely. Uh, yeah. So he yeah. came through and uh, he said, hey, I've got this idea. We're, lo- we're, we're kicking off the new season of Grindhouse. I'm thinking about putting you and Riley together as heels. Now, I believed in you. I believed in you. You could, be, you could do the hell work. But, but man, to be honest... I don't know if I ever told you this, but man, I had never really done heel work up until that point. I was oh, really? the yeah, I was yeah. the little I was the little engine that could. I was the David versus Goliath. I was the superhero. I was the origins. 
starting yeah. out the origins of the, the biggest little man mantra, but man, I was very skeptical of, I don't know if people are going to be able to boo me. I know you could pull it off, but hey. Yeah. Because you... I was bouncing back and forwards between, I, I guess, mainly Prowl and whoever I was working at the time doing face and heel. So I kind of had a bit of experience going in as heel, yep. but you never know how the crowd is going to react to anything, you know? Like, I'm not the greatest talker, and I think that's why they teamed you and I up together. And yeah. look where it turned out. Yeah, so I remember us I remember us being put together. Yeah, we did the Grindhouse show. We came out, I think, just before intermission ended. I threw a chair in the ring, and we, we kind of helped the show hostage. We cut that promo. And shortly thereafter, I remember we went on a Tyrical run. You as the first official Flashman guy. You were the monster. You were the hardcore pretty much the hardcore big man pretty much every second yeah. match you're doing up at that point was weapons based from pretty your, much yeah. yeah yeah from your perspective what was that run to you like did you enjoy that run was that a learning experience or was that just another day at the office um oh well, it was definitely a learning experience because uh i guess like i said before i wasn't a great talker so having there someone there to help boost to that next level was great yeah. as far as matches I really enjoyed them. I think I found my stride, mm-hmm. so to say. Yeah. Um, I was always uh, interested in that hardcore kind of element for a while, even even growing up as a kid. But yeah, doing that hardcore and able to do stuff that other people couldn't do really drew, uh, made a name for not only myself, but probably for yourself mm. um, to be a part of that. Man, I got in trouble so many times for the things that I said. There was many a fan waiting outside the building to punch on yeah. with uh, you and I, yeah. respectively. But it wasn't until 2017 that you and I seemingly uh, unceremoniously and unspoken called it a day in the ring. We did, yes. Yeah, I had to take some time off. But when I came back, you were aligned with Bobby Bishop. You had a tag good old, run with... Good old Bobby, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had a tag run with him as the Retro Bros. We did. And now in this day and age, man, I don't know, everything's on pause right now, but... You mentioned just before about being a kid. So let's rewind the hands of time real quick. That's how we know each other, but I want to learn about you. I don't, I know you as the monster and I know you as a hardcore man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about, I don't know about Rip Riley, the person. The, so te- the so rewind- Riley. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, I grew up uh, in a household with both my parents watching wrestling. They had like the Andre the Giant and Hogan era. I think they even went to like City Hall and when they came to Brisbane. Oh, so uh, they're really into it. Yeah, they were, they were big, man. Like, yeah. they really enjoyed it. So I don't remember how young I was exactly. I probably would have been before the age of five that I kind of remember kind of watching wrestling on the TV with my dad and stuff. Yeah. I uh, used to come up on Nine World Sports or whatever normal channel it was on at the time. Yeah, I just remember watching guys like Randy Savage and, you know, all your Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and all those guys coming up. Yeah. Just like these larger than life guys. And it just fascinated me. Uh, always kept my attention. And since then I just always watched it. So your parents were super into it. They went and saw some live events. You were, uh, you were exposed to it as a young kid. Did that stick with you throughout schooling or did, did it sort of come, uh, come again? Uh, go again? It always stayed. I yeah. had friends like my, my family or cousins and stuff would always get together for like mania and Royal Rumble and we'll get around and have a big barbecue and stuff and watch that. Um, through high school, I had, oh, even primary school, like I had friends that I chatted to about wrestling. So a couple of us even traded tapes. Like if one of us couldn't get a certain pay-per-view, we'll trade tapes and watch them and talk about it. Um, you know, like I collect figurines, played all the games 
all the consoles, even going into high school. Like, I think a lot of people thought it was weird because they started getting to that thing where people are like, oh, it's fake. Yeah. Uh, which gets really annoying. But to me, it was entertainment. It's what I loved. Yeah. So it stuck with you throughout high school, man. I was the same. I played all the games, clicked at some of the action figures. Hell, I even went to the local shops and got myself some uh, some belts, the little kid belts there for about 20, 25 yep. bucks, yep. The, foam, the foam titles. I think at one point I even wore it around a shopping center. I think I was about 14 at the time or something. Ah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it always stuck with you for high school as well. So coming out of high school, was it still a big thing for you at that point? Like you, you were saying it always stayed with you, but now you're reaching the end of high school. Was it still a massive part of your life then? It was. Like I was always watching it like as much as I can. Yeah, through primary school and high school, uh, I always remember just telling people all I wanted to do was be a wrestler. Yeah. Coming out of high school, I was always still interested. I even looked around for schools. Like I hadn't even found a job yet. Like, right. uh, like I was pretty keen on just wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. Didn't matter where. Like I think some of the first companies I kind of came across at the time back in uh, 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. I kind of finished high school. So I was looking around. I came across, I came across AWF down in Sydney. Uh, this was before I came across PWAC ran mm-hmm. by Mason at the time. Yeah. I kind of found AWF. It was a bit too far for me. Uh, eventually I came across PWAC and then I started going to their local shows a few times. And I think this is 2009 at this point. Yeah. I kind of, uh, saw a Facebook post. They were holding a training day on the day of one of their shows. So I registered to go apart. And uh, yeah, I think, I think from that day, I was kind of hooked. Like I just knew that's what I wanted to do. Like got to train with Mason and some of the old school boys um, like Coyote and Esteban. Esteban was there. Yeah. Some of, the, some of the old school guys that aren't around anymore, except for probably a couple. But yeah, like after PWAC, it was, it, it was only that day. Um, and then I came across Prowl uh, back in mid-2010, I believe it was. And I trained for six months. Like I was there like every weekend, every Saturday for like three, four hours, um, just learning the basics and from like the rolls and holds to a few basic bumps to get me through. And, uh, yeah, it was tough. Like, it was probably one of the toughest things I did. Like, you wake up on a Sunday or whatever and your your body's aching, and but you just get up and keep doing it again and push through it. If it's something you love, you just do it, right? Yeah, that's it. If you're, if you're passionate about something, it doesn't matter about the pain because the passion always overrides the pain. Yeah. So you've left PWIQ. You did do the training camp there. What made you decide to just transition over to Prowl? Was it a location thing or you just weren't sort of feeling the vibe down there? Um, I didn't mind PWAC. They had a good bunch of trainers. Yeah. I think it was just a location thing for me. Okay. Um, at the time, I didn't have a my own vehicle to be able to get to training. I think they were training somewhere on the north side, which was pretty hard for me at the time, especially when I was just out of school. I didn't have a job. Yeah. I was you know, kind of struggling for money to begin with. Like I said, I came across Prowl. They were a bit more central. I think they were training out of Hammond or um, out of Wynnum. So the train, I was, I was able to get a train uh, to, to and from training, which made it a bit easier for me, mm-hmm. um, at the time. Do you remember yep. your first day at training down there and how long it was before you were put on the show? Um, it was tough. Like I said, it was like the basics, like it was just like basic holds. Um, I don't even think we were bumping at that time, but there was probably about 
three or four of us that were training. Like it was a small group. I think I debuted in 2011 in January. Wow. So six months, about six months of training. Now was the the size of how you were in that ring, was that an advantage or a disadvantage to you at that point? I guess I had a bit more weight at the time. Uh, I think I've lost a bit since, but uh, I always grew up playing like a lot of sports and running around. Like I always played soccer. So I always had that kind of speedy agility despite my size. Like I'm six one and whatever I weigh 150 kilos or like this and that, but I move like a, like a cruiserweight, I guess, <laughs> which is yeah. scary. But yeah, it, it didn't really affect me too much. And I think having that a bit of a flexibility, flexible and agility side to me kind of helped with my training. Like mm-hmm. I said, like, you're not going to pick anything up. Like still took me a while to work certain roles or this and that because of my size, but it didn't really affect the way I worked, I guess. or trained. Yeah. So you mentioned catching the train down and you mentioned it was six months worth. Is it for that six months that you're coming in and in and out on that train? Are you feeling motivated continuing there or is it, is it starting to uh, wane, wane on you after about six months? I guess at the time it was all that was really around. Um, yeah. I guess there was PWAC running north side. Prowl was starting to run kind of that south side, mm-hmm. Red, Redland Bay area. And then you also had IPW on the coast. And yep. for me, IPW was a bit far for me because I okay. lived in the Logan area, I guess. For me, I found, because I was going there so often, I, I knew everyone. Um, eventually, I found out one of my trainers lived just around the corner from me. So I benefited from that. I could just get lifts from him. Yep which meant I could probably train a bit more because I didn't have to worry about trains. Prowl became a home for me and it didn't matter how big. They were like a brand new company when I when I started with them. Like they mm-hmm. pretty much had nothing. So to be a founding member or like a foundation for them was pretty, pretty special. And yeah. I think that's why I kind of stayed around as long as I did. So you're, you're traveling – in and out of the training, you've got one of your trainers nearby, and now it's starting to feel a bit more like you can pick this guy's brain, traveling down the roads. You're, you're le- learning from two aspects now. You're sort of learning from experience with the trainer, taking the drives with him, but you're also improving your own skills. So you have your first match. You get that well and done. That's underneath your belt. That is in the history books. How did you feel coming out of that first match? Were you like, yeah, this was awesome, or man, this was uh, – it was it scary? Were you scared? Uh, you're always scared. Um you're not really sure what to expect. My my first match actually was a, with a guy that I knew from high school. Uh, when I first started training, about a month or two in, he messaged me saying he wanted to get into it too. So he started training for about four months before we debuted. And there was a lot of – they weren't really sure who I was going to verse on that first show because I think I was meant to verse someone. I can't remember who, but they pulled out. And then I was meant to verse, they wanted me to verse Adam Hoffman from New South Wales on my debut, wow. which, yeah. But at the, at the time, I had never heard of him. You know, this is my first show. I didn't want to let him down, I guess. So I was nervous. So I'm like, I'll take someone else. And I ended up getting paired off with my friend from high school. Mm. So, yeah, it was pretty special to be able to debut with a guy that I knew from high school, I guess, and be able to carry on from there. Was that like a high school dream of you guys talking growing up together uh, in high school? A, a, a little bit, yeah. 
Because we always mucked around at school. You know, you always had that one friend. You kind of do wrestling moves to each other and we film stuff and put it on YouTube. And I don't know if they're still around. <laughs> if you dig deep Wait. enough, I'm sure they're around somewhere. Wait a minute. You're <laughs> telling me there's, there's YouTube footage of you out there mucking around in the early days of Rip Riley? Yes. Back in my high school days, probably when I was oh, 15. Um, I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if they're still up. Um, but yeah, we did film some stuff and they went on YouTube at some point. Anyone out there listening right now, please <laughs> go and find that. If you find it, hit up Rip Riley or hit me up. If on I the find email. it, I'll send you a link. <laughs> <laughs> man, that'd be some classic vintage footage. Yep. That, man. So you've had your debut match with your high school friend. You've ticked off that childhood dream. Yep. So you're sticking around in Prow now as one of the originals. And yep. there's a handful of guys. I'm assuming the roster's continuing to grow each and every time. Yeah, it was getting bigger. Um, we had... Uh, well, when we started training, we we actually brought in Jake Nova. Oh, okay. Was, yep. Okay, yeah. So me and Jake have known each other for a while. Yeah. Uh, his he came in probably a few weeks because he knew one of the other trainers from I guess the old MIW IPW days. Yeah. Um. So they kind of did some stuff. Uh, he brought Jake in. Uh, then there was another guy called Jordan James. I can't remember his actual wrestling name. Okay. Um, but yeah, he got brought in as well for like, they were the two head trainers and then, yeah, just eventually we just started training more, more guys were coming to training. We had, um, a young Kelso come up as well. He was starting to do training and even, um, David, like. Koi Bombora. Yes. Yes. That's the guy. Yeah. So all, all those guys were coming through from IPW. I think they were from IPW. Uh, I think they were just starting to mix around. Even on shows, we had like interstate guys coming through as well wow help. yeah so for a small company we're getting like guys like warship from perth was coming over yep. it was like one of our mainstays we had mason coming in mm-hmm. um like guys like slade mercer tama williams at some point yeah it's kind of like a big name and the appealing factor was not only was prowl getting in these interstaters and building up their own unique roster yeah but the original version of prowl did have a six-sided ring it did. It was very interesting to work. Um, but that's what I originally learnt my training in. So to me, it was normal. Um, but a lot of these guys coming in interstate, uh, I guess, working normal 18 foot rings, yeah, having to come in and then they're getting thrown off because we got a six sided. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was it was an experience. I I, I enjoyed it. Um, takes a bit to get used to but yeah uh, it was fun i'm sure you know about it yeah uh briefly <laughs> for it was a it it is a weird schematic because i i sort of came from the opposite way i i started in the four-sided ring and the six-sided yep. kind of uh was like what but for you you did it backwards you you were mainly were at prowl and training there and, and doing live events there as one of the originals with the six-sided ring was it weird then when you started traveling the roads and getting the experience and going to other places, was it weird then to then try and work in a four-sided ring? It was a little bit. When you're running the ropes, your stride was a bit shorter uh, yeah. as far as like the six-sided. And then you have to reconfigure uh, running a four-sided. You got like more of a stride, I guess, or you got more room to move around. You only got four corners and it wasn't difficult to adapt but yeah, it was, like I said, definitely interesting. It was a good experience. So how long was it now Then you're at Prowl and you're, you're consistently there? How long was it then before you were 
uh, put into either a maze of the storyline or winning your first title down there? Which which one came first? I think I didn't win a title for a while. Yeah. So I think my first title for Prow was probably uh, back in 2012. So I wasn't too far off debuting like a couple of years or a few years or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the Prowl, uh, Prowl Super Hulk belt. Uh, yeah. Big, big Hulk one with a, yeah. So that was impressive. Main storylines that I was involved with. I kind of got a run in my second, second and third match. I think they started pushing me for main event spot because we didn't have too many people and people believed in me and that guys that believed in me was Jake. So my mm. second match after my debut, I wrestled Jordan James. Okay. And then going into my third match, I versed Jordan James and Jake Nova in a triple threat in the main. So wow. I kind of had like a small program with those three, I guess. Yeah. So that, that was kind of fun. I think, I think in 2011 was probably a good run for storyline wise. Cause yep. we had, um, warship up here from mainstay. I think he was the champion at the time. So it was me, Seth Gunner, who was the guy I debuted against yeah. like my thing. So we formed a tag team. Yeah. Me, me, him warship. And I think it was Mitch cutting. Okay. So the four of us, and then we took on like Mason's team. Uh, I think he had like the Farrah brothers and someone else. But yeah, that was a cool storyline. We just ran with uh, me and the Farrahs. We did some hardcore stuff leading into like a big eight-man elimination tag. Is, yeah. is this where you start developing your interest in hardcore matches or was that come up through uh, through getting exposed to wrestling as a kid? As a kid, I kind of watched a bit of wrestling, but it wasn't – I kind of came more through through that Attitude Era yep. uh, when he kind of had like Mick Foley and like his crazy gimmicks like Cactus Jack and – all those guys coming through and like that hardcore division. Um, there was just some, some about people getting hit with weapons. It was just entertaining to me. And I just loved it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know why. Like everyone's got their own style of wrestling. They like, like a lot of people like the spotty flippy stuff. Yeah. You know, some people are like more invested in like the character and st- storytelling me. On the other hand, I enjoyed the hardcore and the blood and, I don't know. To me, that was kind of like an art form in itself. Like they could tell great stories that way. When is it that you start to travel the roads? Is it around this time that you say, "Hey, I might see uh, see what see what else is on offer here," or did you still stick it out with Prowl? Uh, most of the time, it was with Prowl. Uh, I think somewhere in 2012, a bunch of us went down to NCPW in Port Macquarie. Yeah, that was really cool. I, I really enjoyed that trip. Like it was that was my second year of wrestling, and to be able to hit the road with some good friends that you could trust and just have a laugh with uh, was an awesome experience. Now, did that trip feel like for you at that point, hey, I'm fulfilling what I've been growing up and seen in wrestling? Did it feel like, hey, maybe I'm starting to actually take this wrestling thing seriously now that you've had your first road trip? Or did that sensation hit you after you first won your the whole championship? Uh, probably a bit of both. Okay. Like that. I don't I, I don't know. I don't know the feeling I got. Like it was the road trip was cool. Um, cause then people are seeing more of you, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so you can get books more, but yeah, I think winning that first title, uh, really meant a lot because to me, it's not just a prop. I guess it's, a an accomplishment or, uh, where the, the promoter believes in you enough and thinks you've worked hard to be able to be in that position. 
uh, to be able to hold and put on good matches. Yeah. Yeah. So it really meant a lot to me that not only my colleagues or like the other workers or, uh, and the promoter believed in me to be able to be in that position. I, I always self doubt myself when it comes to wrestling. Uh, I don't think I'm, I always say that I'm not as good as what I think I am, but a lot of people say otherwise. Is that because you've been told that or do you, is, just, is that just something that sort of rattles around in your head that you, with your own voice is telling you that? I think it's just me. I okay. think it's just me. Uh, like a lot of people say, I'm like, I'm so like, I'm underrated. Like I should be getting booked elsewhere. And like, isn't that, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's just me being humble and I've just grown up that way. Like I just appreciate all the small things. Has that, has, has that always affected you just in the wrestling world or was did that happen in, in uh, the real world as well? Were you sort of doubting yourself on certain projects? I think I always do that. I grew up as a kind of like a shy kid and it was really hard for me to reach out and talk to people. Okay. Um, So even now, like I still question myself and I'm like shy. Like I'm since getting into wrestling, I've managed to open up more, Mm -hmm. um, which is really good, but I'm still really held back. I like, I keep to myself a lot as you know, personally. Yeah, from the guy that I first met in that prowl locker room all those years ago to the guy I know today, you have definitely come leaps and bounds since then, man. Oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> and I don't want anyone to hear you otherwise because you will damn sure put him through a table. Yep. <laughs> so so yep. you've done your first interstate road trip. You're traveling the roads. You're starting to think, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like a real wrestler now. I've, I've got a title win under my, under my belt at this point. You're traveling the roads. You're coming up and down. How long was it? now that you stayed with Prowl? I was always with Prowl. I think I was bouncing around from company to company. I can't remember who was around at the time. Okay. Prowl will always be home. Didn't yeah. really matter how many times I shut down. Like I was with them pretty much till the, like the very end um, up until like a couple of years ago or whenever they decided to fully close their doors and not make a return, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've... You come through and your home company is now shutting. Do you remember where you were when that announcement was made? Were you a champion at the time or was it a case of, hey, I, th- I think I've got uh, other opportunities here? How were you um, feeling when they said, hey, you know, we're going to close the doors? It it always sucked. Because yeah. it's home, right? It's like, it, it's it, like, it is, yeah. It's yeah. like where I spent a lot of my weekends, like training. I knew a lot of the guys. Um, it's pretty much the company that got me my start. Yeah, it, it's always always sad to see that going down but i think i, I had like a cup another company working at the time maybe i feel like because i've constantly been wrestling since i've started like okay i don't think i've really taken a break that there's always work going on i suppose i think qcw was kind of getting up up and running on the sunny case with jimmy sparks and that yeah i feel like that was the 2012 2013 yeah thing. So maybe, yeah. yeah, I feel like while Prowl was kind of down, I was going up there. So I still had like options going for me wrestling wise. Um, yep. And it was really nice of them to be able to bring me in and be part of their family. Because I know for a while they weren't allowing outside talent from Brisbane uh, to come in for a right. while. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, I don't know if I just got lucky because um, they knew, because I knew Jimmy Sparks uh since like the early days of Prowl as well. So I might've already had my hand in with him and he knew how it worked. And cause I think he was promoting at the time. Uh, he's the one that opened QCW. So yeah, it's always good to be good friends with people when you least expect it, I guess. 
Yeah. So the so you're feeling a bit down about the fact that uh, your home companies had to shut its doors. Had to, had to shut its doors. We don't know at this stage if it's going to come back, but you're still wrestling now. It's a little bit further away, but you're up on the sunny coast. I was, I think it was around this time now that you and I reconnected because I had just left my home base. Do you remember having the experience of going up there and doing your first show with that company? And was it vastly different besides the ring? Was it vastly that different to Prowl for you at that point? Oh, it was so different. I think because yeah. Prowl had their own kind of locker room going up there. They had like completely new roster. Like they barely took anyone up there. I think they, Jimmy trained everyone from scratch. Yeah. Everyone's just like, so welcoming, welcoming. You know, there was like no egos, uh, everyone was just there to have fun. Like a lot of these, a lot of these guys, man, that was like their first year. So to kind of go in and give, you know, I've only been wrestling for like maybe a couple of years before I went in, but that's still two years that I had on those guys that I was able to maybe give a bit of experience to the kind of the newer guys coming through, you know? Yeah. And it felt, felt good to be able to pass on knowledge and work a new set of guys instead of the same Brisbane ones all the time. So it's sort of giving you like a regenerated feeling, knowing that, hey, I'm kind of up here, but I'm a little bit down. The company I was with is closed, but you're feeling like, hey, I'm at this position point now where I can start helping out a little bit. You don't know too much at that point, but you know in your heart that what you do know you want to share with those that are coming up because you were there not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were a good bunch of guys. I, I really enjoyed them, and I think a lot of them had potential. Yeah, similar position, man. I felt like, hey, this was, this this was different, but it was, it was like another family. It was, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't the original family that you you come through when you learn how to wrestle and and have the first initial shows with, but it was still very warm and welcoming. Yeah. Outside of the squared circle, there at this point, what is life like for you? Are you tied down to a job at this point? Are you studying? Are you learning? Um, What's happening for you? I think I was studying at the time. I think I was in the middle of doing. Uh, like landscaping horticulture at TAFE um, that went for like a year and a half, which kind of occupied my time. I, I didn't quite have a job. Um, I was kind of like in and out, but study was my, my main goal at this point um, to maybe help get a job further down the line uh, that I could enjoy. Because uh, before that, I was struggling. Uh, like I was in and out of jobs. I was doing like like warehousing type jobs. I tried a few other random stuff like fencing and this and that, but it just wasn't working. And so I decided to give the old landscaping a try and been doing it for the past five years or something now. What was really it that drew you to that? Was it just something that you were like, hey, I want to try my hand at this? Was there anything specific or? Um, not really. Yeah, I think it was just like giving anything a try to figure out what I enjoyed. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to continue doing warehousing job for like 10 hours because I didn't enjoy it. Like I would be miserable yeah. even though it was like paying the bills. Like I was not happy. Uh, it was just like a negative headspace that I didn't want to be in and I needed some new and uh, a change. And I think that's why I decided to give landscaping a try. Like it was the outdoors. I, I enjoyed working outdoors or just being outdoors. Like I was grew up as a kid running around outdoors and riding my bike and going on little adventures and yeah. How long was it now before you decided to start looking at interstate journeys again? 
was it always something that was in the back of your mind or did you start sort of reaching out and go, hey, man, I'm, I'm really feeling good up here at the sunny coast, but I really want to get overseas or I really want to start traveling these roads? Or were you content? Were you happy where you were? Um, I think always in the back of your mind, you always want to be able to travel and, you know, to gain experience and grow and meet new people. But it kind of comes back down to me not having a full-time job and not being able to do so. So at the point in time, I was happy just working QCW or whatever came along. I think I still did a couple of trips down to NCPW from time to time. Um, like a bunch of us would just carpool and I was happy with that. But, you know, it always kills you not to be able to do more. You're feeling like you want to travel, but it's just one of those things that sort of just seems out of your grasp at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, staying, you're sticking with Sunny Coast. I remember at the end of the Sunny Coast run, the Sunny Coast company had a similar fate to Prowl where after about a year, a year and a half, they decided through their own reasons, hey, we're going to shut these doors. I remember that final show, and I remember the photo that came out of that final show where you were sitting uh-huh. there in front of yes. about – close to three or four different yeah, title I think I had four titles at the time. Yeah. I, think I was up and running at this point. Okay. So run uh, me through that. What, yeah. So at this point, I think Prowl had come back. PWAC might've been on the way out, but then UPW started up. So a bunch of us went to UPW. So through that period, uh, I can't remember what year it was. Might've been like 2013 to 14. UPW kind of started up. They're the ones that kind of, at this point, I've dropped dropped the Hulk belt. UPW is starting to push me. Like, they're starting to build me up. Like, I'm working main event matches with Jake and all that again. They're getting Shooter up. I think uh, Josh Shooter at the time was champion. So, him and I were going back and forwards. Um, I can't remember who I won the title off, though. It might have been – he might have dropped it to Tim. Uh, like, Shooter dropped it to Tim at UPW. And then they're building me up. And I think Tim dropped it to me. So, yeah, my, my first main heavyweight title was with UPW. I think this is like 2015 at this point. So, like, they start pushing me. I think a yep. lot of people, other companies start seeing that. Um, Proud noticed it. They they put the heavyweight strap on me. So, at this point, I'm carrying two. And then QCW, I think both, both North and South were at this point. I think Cy was coming down from Townsville or some to run North as well because he had both titles down. That's how I ended up with four. So yep. QCW are on their way out um, at this point, I think by the end of 2015. And um, I think it was more of a thank you from Jimmy um, to put the, sh- the belts on me because I've, I've over the two, two years or whatever from the beginnings, I was always there helping them. So I think it was more of a thank you. So at the end of this QCW final curtain show, I've taken out all my belts from UPW Prowl. I've just won both QCW North and South. So here I am pretty much the top of the Queensland scene with these four heavyweight belts. So it's pretty crazy. So mm. now you, so now you've reached the point where the sunny coast has closed its doors, but you're starting to win belts in not only Prowl, but you win one at sunny coast what happens to you in those championships? Do you get to keep those or is it a trip of you got to play postman Pat and start driving around handing things back again? Uh, um, eventually, eventually handed the two QCW ones back. Right. Um, just so Jimmy and Cy, like Island Boy, could have their respective titles back. 
Yeah. Um, what happened to Prowl? I think Prowl shut down at this point, or I lost it. I can't remember. Um, and then UPW, I probably lost it. But yeah, just I had like a good run of these titles, which yeah, to be honest, I'm happy with. It was a good experience. It got my name out there as like a top dog within the Queensland scene. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it probably helped with my bookings because people probably saw that I could hang at the top and actually put on good matches for someone my size. Yeah. No, there's never been a question of your work rate. That's definitely um, an impressive feat in itself, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now you're getting to the point where this is close to us reuniting once again. Uh, we went our separate ways after the end of the Sunny Coast show. I was feeling a bit like, where do I go from here? You had the opportunity to go work at UPW and the original Prowl had started up again. We did not reconnect until myself, the Swedish assassin, and Scott Black put together what was then known as QPW, which was Queensland Pro Wrestling. It was a training school slash TV show in West End. Shortly thereafter, you come aboard, bit of training, keep yourself active, keep that ring rust away. We get approached by Kelso Cajones, who was then the current booker for AWA, and he says to us, we want to put an idea together of having you and Rip Riley work together, but you're going to be bad guys. Now, man, uh, I think we touched on the beginning of this episode. I didn't believe in myself, but now I'm starting to starting to realize that, hey, you've had that same thought pattern as well sometimes. You doubt oh, yeah. yourself. So now I'm starting to think, man, I know this guy could do it because just based on the size alone, I don't think no one wants to F with this guy, but man, I don't know. I don't know if I could go out there and get him booed, but we tried it anyway. We went out there, and man, uh, uh, yeah, that was that night was something else, wasn't it? <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> it was, uh, it was definitely, it was definitely an interesting night because I'm not sure whether it was that night or the night after where we we de- obviously debuted together, but it was a case. I think it was. I think it was this night. I think your first match. You did that was the end of January. Uh, was it the end of January 2016? Beginning of season um, four? I think I've been with AWA for a while. Yeah, you've been like, with AWA. Before we got put up to our do our stuff, I was there for a few shows beforehand. Yeah, because you were there for, I think you were there from about April 2015. Yeah. I think you had like a little stint with like Gold and Combat Wombat at that point. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, so we so we we start doing work together in 2016. Um, you give Catherine Minx the Riley driver. It yes. sort of <laughs> sort of gives us the rocket fuel we need to start being a bad guy. Um, but it's also at this point now where you're traveling up to Townsville. You're hitting that road again. You're going up to QWA. Correct. Yeah. How how was it at this point? Did you reach out to them, or was this a case of you wanting to wanting to scratch that itch of traveling those roads one more time? I think they reached out to me, a guy by the name of Dean. Uh, he now runs Pro Wrestling Power. So I went up a few times. I think this was in the process of Mason going up as well. That was a different scene up there altogether. Yeah. Was that, how did that differ from the experiences that you'd had thus far? Was it just the roster that was different or was the whole mechanic system um, up there different? Like it was more family-based, I guess. Like at this point, like I'm pretty much just working probably AWA at this point mm-hmm. uh, where they're – the old New Globe Theater, 18 plus shows, people are drunk, getting rowdy. Mm -hmm. Like it's some rough crowds. And then you go up to Townsville and there's like kids 
in the crowd. So you have to change your kind of gimmick or not really change your gimmick, but the way you do things to appeal to a younger audience. Yeah. Um, so to say. All right, you guys, we're going to hit the pause button right there with the monster. The first official flashbang guy, Rip Riley. But don't fret. We'll be back next week with part two. There's still plenty more info to get out of the monster. But hey, before we ride up into the sunset, please like, share, and follow Little Man Big Conversations on Facebook and Instagram at LMBC Podcast and on Twitter at LMBC underscore podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next week.